O God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Our first reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Church of Corinth. This is from God's Word found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions amongst you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels amongst you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Christ crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I was baptized, that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power, for the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This ends the first reading. Many thanks to Chuck for reading all of those names. Well done. It was a test. You passed. So my rule is that I tell all liturgists, when you get lots of names like that in scriptures, you just say it with confidence. And whether they're right or wrong, no one will know because you're just so confident about it. So friends, our gospel message for us this day comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, Verses 12 through 23. Let us listen for God's word speaking to us this day. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, 
they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for the past few weeks, I have been talking about this time of year as the season of Epiphany. That time when we see in Scripture how people come to recognize Jesus and in him the hope and salvation that God means for all people everywhere. This time of year is also referred to as ordinary time. Ordinary time is exactly like it sounds. Ordinary. It is called ordinary in part because of what it is not. It is not Advent, it is not Christmas, it is not Lent, it is not Easter, which means that in ordinary time we are not preparing for any special celebrations related to the birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. It is just ordinary The stories of ordinary time are filled with examples of ordinary people going about their ordinary lives when they meet Jesus and make the decision to follow him. Not because a star announced his birth, not because an angel appeared to them in the fields, but simply because Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. The response of these ordinary people to that command is where, in my opinion, things get a lot less ordinary. Matthew starts today's passage by moving the scene of the action. After hearing that John the Baptist had been arrested, Jesus left Nazareth, and made his way to Capernaum in the region of Galilee. In one way, this move continues to underline and highlight the ways Jesus' life is bringing about the fulfillment of Isaiah's ancient prophecies about the Messiah. So if you remember from Family Worship Sunday, Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospel writers. He loved to point back to ancient prophecies, and so... There's that whole piece in Scripture with those fun names, Zebulon and Naphtali, which is just underlining for everybody that Jesus is connected to the prophecies about the Messiah again. But in another way, the text seems to go out of the way to note that Jesus has moved into the less desirable neighborhood, if you will. I mean, he's living with the Gentiles. Jesus has willingly moved to the Galilee of the Gentiles. It sounds like something you'd see in Myrtle Beach. 
He moves to the Galilee of the Gentiles to begin his public ministry. He is now living in the area of the promised land that is heavily occupied and controlled by the Roman Empire. All areas at that point were controlled by the Roman Empire, but the Galilee of the Gentiles was a particular pocket of their power, and Jesus moved right in there. And it is in this context that Jesus begins to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for God's presence is walking among you. In what I imagine were his early days in Galilee, Jesus does what any new transplant would do when they move to a new area. He goes looking for his people. He's trying to gather a community, those who will join him in his mission to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. I think he probably goes down to the sea because he figures that's where the people will be. And when he gets there, he sees Simon and Andrew, and they are casting their nets into the sea. We don't know if these guys were having a good day fishing or if they were having one of those days where they cast their nets for hours and all they pull in are old tires. Not that I would know anything about that kind of fishing day, but we don't know what is going on with these guys. It just says they were casting their nets. And Jesus looks at them and says, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And they drop their nets, and they follow. Shortly after, Jesus encounters two more brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were mending their nets, and he called them. And both times, Matthew uses the same word to describe the timing of their reaction. Did you hear it? Immediately. Immediately, they left and followed Jesus. And both times, Jesus says how they respond. They follow him. They walk away from their livelihood. Some theologians and exegetical experts, historians, if you will, would talk about these were fishermen. They probably had license from the Roman Empire to fish. And with that license came not only the responsibility and opportunity to provide for their family and sell their fish for income, but they also had to provide a certain amount of fish to the Roman Empire to feed all of the soldiers. So immediately they get up and they leave. They're leaving their livelihood and putting themselves and their families at risk because they're no longer fulfilling that contract with the Roman Empire. They're leaving their family. I mean, the text tells us that James and John literally leave poor Zebedee in the boat, mending his nets all by himself. Follow me, Jesus says. When you look at the original language, it's not an invitation it's not a question, follow me. It is, follow me. 
It is a command that comes over and over again in Scripture. God called Abraham and Sarah to leave their home, their family, their identity, and sojourn into an unfamiliar land. God called Rahab to shelter spies that were sent to Jericho. God called Samuel three times as a young boy to be God's servant who would eventually anoint Israel's first king. God called prophets like Isaiah to summon the people of Israel to open their prosperity-glazed eyes and see God in their midst. God called Mary to give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. And God called fishermen from their nets to follow Jesus. Not an invitation, a command. As James O. Chatham notes, from the beginning, God has called people. God has stepped into their lives and pointed them in new directions. God does this throughout the Bible. Few pages go by without it. Is this not a strong signal that God is going to call us to? That in some moment when we are involved in a normal day's pursuits, God will walk up to the lakeshore and beckon us to leave our fishing boats for a future we had not planned. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. A lot of times I think that we believe that God's call only comes to those who are clergy. Every good clergy or church educator has a story about that time when they just felt called to go into ministry. And so many of us let ourselves off the hook. Well, I'm not, I'm not doing what Eric's doing. I'm not preaching. I'm not teaching. I, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm a teacher. I'm a whatever. But in Matthew's gospel, that idea is challenged. It is thrown out with the tires and the net because the very fact that these first disciples were fishermen should be a signal. They were ordinary, everyday people going about their very ordinary, everyday lives. They were people who worked with their hands, who very likely lived day-to-day, hand-to-mouth, hoping that they would catch enough fish to survive and feed their families. Their hands and faces were probably weathered by wind and sea. They probably said things that they shouldn't. And yet, this is who Jesus called. This is Jesus' target audience. Fishermen from the Galilee of the Gentiles. Just like the shepherds on the hillsides heard the news of his birth, in these fishermen, God again brings unlikely people into the extraordinary story of salvation. Y'all, this should cause us to take note. 
maybe, just maybe, God will even call us, each of us, into the story if we are open enough to hear Jesus say, follow me. What does this call look like for us today? Most of us are not sitting on boats waiting for Jesus. But like those fishermen, we are going about the ordinary details of our daily lives. Fishing, if you will, for those things that matter to us. Using the gifts and skills that we have been given in any manner of capacity each and every day. The disciples were working as fishermen, but when they received the call from Jesus, they enthusiastically followed. And Jesus gave them a new vocation, to fish for people. He took the skills that they presumably already had, fishing, and used their abilities, both their learned abilities and their innate abilities, to help them learn how to be disciples. I believe God's call works in the same way today. God nurtures in us the talents, the gifts, the interests that we have and helps us to find ways to use them to be part of what God is doing in the world. Those gifts, those skills, those interests are sometimes identified as spiritual gifts. They can range from a beautiful singing voice and compassionate hearts to the everyday things that we do. You can organize a closet. You can organize an event. You have the ability to engineer solutions for dire situations in the world. You have the ability to understand numbers and help them make sense to those around you. All of these and so much more are needed for the work of Christ's kingdom. They are needed for the mission and ministry of Rocky River Presbyterian Church. Therefore, all of us, each and every one of us, are called by Jesus to follow me and I will make you fish for people. Reflecting on God's habit of calling people to participate in the redeeming work of God in the world, my friend and former colleague Agnes Norfleet said, I used to think the call of, to discipleship was a moment when the stuff of faith just clicked and a commitment to Christ was made. But I have grown to realize that we are called to be followers of Jesus over and over and over again. And we're never asked to go it alone. Just as Jesus first called these brothers to follow together, so we have one another to partner with, to hold each other accountable, to hear the claim of Christ upon our lives, and to heed the call to follow him into the world, to meet the needs with the compassion and love of God. As we sit here today, Jesus is calling, saying, follow me. 
And that call might look really different today than it did a year ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago. When you were first engaged here or in another church, you might have been young and had kids and felt called to participate in the educational ministries of the church, to be a Sunday school teacher, to be a youth group leader. And now today you might be feel you might feel called to do something else. To participate on the mission committee, evangelism committee, to offer your gifts out in the world in some way. Jesus comes again and again and again to where you are right now and says, follow me as you are uniquely gifted to do. So as we sit here on a cold and snowy Sunday morning in January in Northeast Ohio, Jesus is saying, follow me into a warm community of faith so that we can worship give thanks, and be nurtured for the road ahead. Follow me, Jesus says, when you see that coworker or classmate or neighbor who doesn't seem to have anyone to talk to. Follow me, Jesus says, when you see someone who is hungry or without shelter. Follow me, Jesus says, when you see someone who is struggling with health crises or walking in a time of grief. Follow me as you are uniquely gifted and equipped to do. Follow me and use all the gifts you have given to make Rocky River be a shining light in a sea that is desperate to know the love of God. Follow me, Jesus says to participate in the unfolding story of God's love at work in the world. Follow me, Jesus says, not just to you, but to all of us. Follow me and know that you are not alone, that you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses to support you, to encourage you, to equip you, to help all people everywhere experience Jesus coming to them and saying, follow me. May it be so. Amen.